that you're here this morning. I, uh, I know that um, several other people will probably be here at, uh, at noon. You know, it's time change weekend. I was, uh, I was talking to a few people I saw in here this morning. I said, don't you normally come earlier? And they're like, yeah, you know what happened. I was like, okay. And uh, so if, any, if you're leaving and you see anybody coming up the ramp, just be real kind to them and tell them, welcome, we're glad you're here, and, and I'll take care of them when they come in, all right? So Maybe today we'll have a third service, right? But uh, we're, we're thanking God that you're here this morning. We've been talking about love. What's love got to do with it? And really, love has everything to do with it. It changes everything about our life. We've been talking about Ruth and, and this glorious story about how that Ruth falls in love with Boaz and, and God gives him this love relationship. Uh, Naomi had Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, left Bethlehem, the house of bread, they walked away from God. They made some decisions that were poor in their life, and they, they had some repercussions of those decisions. But as they are walking back now, they're coming back. Elimelech's gone. Her two sons are gone. Malon and Chilion are gone, and uh, they've died. 
And now back comes with them, now comes Ruth, and now comes Naomi. And, uh, and God pr- provides for them a kinsman redeemer. Uh, part of what would happen in those days, if, if a woman's husband died, that brother, okay, his brother or the next of kin could step in and redeem the family, buy the land, uh, marry the widow, and take care of everything, okay? So what happened here was they, they didn't know that there was a kinsman redeemer. And as a matter of fact, Ruth was a Moabite, and she was far away from God. She wasn't, uh, she wasn't in the camp of God, if you will. And so she comes back, and God provides Boaz. Remember last week we talked about billionaire Boaz, okay? She, she wasn't looking for a... Uh, she wasn't going out and seeking and trying to find a husband. She was just there, and she's working, and God provides the situation and, uh, and this love story of Boaz and Ruth. And so we talked about God's loyal love. You see, God loves you loyally. There's a loyal love that he has, and, and he is committed to loving you. And when we understand that, that God is committed to loving you, that is so powerful. As a matter of fact, if you look, the first verse we're going to show here, this is from the book of Matthew, chapter 1. And Matthew, chapter 1, is the genealogies. And we're going to put that on the screen here. Matthew, chapter 1, verse 5. Um, so what happens in the, in the genealogies, you know, we tell you when you're reading the Bible through in a year, if you get to that chapter and it says, you know, and this was the, the father of so-and-so and this guy was the father of so-and-so, we tell you, feel free to skip over that because a lot of times you're just reading it and you're like, oh man, what did I just read? But let me tell you, it's all there for a reason and it's important. There's some important stuff. So it's okay if you skip over it, but I'm telling you, there's something really important there. And here in the lineage of Jesus, there is something really important here. And and since we've been talking about love, we've been talking about God's loyal love for us and, and how that he works things out in our life. Look at who's in the lineage. And Selman, the father of Boaz by Rahab. Did you catch that? Boaz, the guy we've been talking about. Boaz. Billionaire Boaz who marries Ruth. Uh, who was his mother? Rahab. If you go back and look in the book of Joshua, you'll find out that that was Rahab the prostitute. And all her peppered past, everything that she had to deal with, she comes to God, she follows God, and God says, I'm going to redeem her. And he puts Rahab in, in the lineage of there. Boaz, that, Boaz's mother was Rahab? Wow. Wow, isn't this pretty powerful? And then, oh, and then Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. So here's Ruth. She was known as the Moabite. And all the trouble that surrounded Naomi and Elimelech. So here's Ruth now comes in. And she's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. She was, look at all the mistakes that Naomi and Elimelech and, and the sons made. They married, they married women of the, of, the, of the enemy. And here, God brings them in. And, and, and then Obed, the father, so they had a son. Boaz and Ruth have a son named Obed. He's the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. So this love story we've been talking about, Ruth and Boaz, they have a son who becomes the grandfather, he grows up, he's the grandfather of King David. He's in the lineage of Jesus. How exciting is that? You want to talk about God loving ordinary people? God redeems your past. God takes everything that you've ever had to deal with. He says, I love you and I redeem you and I'm going to deal with it. Uh, and, And you can bring your mess to God. And that's what's so exciting. But I want to encourage you here. And the other thing is that God gives us a new identity. He really does. He changes us. Because here in Matthew chapter 1. Now listen, for years, people knew Rahab as the prostitute. They knew uh, Ruth as the Moabite. 
As a matter of fact, you look in the book of Ruth, it talks there about how that Boaz, he said, well, you know, she said, I am Ruth the Moabite. All right, Ruth the Moabite. She was known by that. Uh, Rahab was known as the prostitute. Here in Matthew chapter 1, God redeems them. He puts them into his plan. And look, you do not see, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab the prostitute. She is now known as Rahab. God has given her something new. See, it was the love of God that transformed her life. God did something powerful. Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. It doesn't say by Ruth the Moabite. You see, God gives us a new identity. His love is transforming. And today, I want to flip over here to Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at what did Jesus say about love. Um, You know, the love is all over the Bible. I could take each and show you God's love story. It really is powerful. If you will take from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you can see this, this powerful story of redemption. That's what the Bible is all about. You can see this powerful story of how God redeems people, how he, how he loves them, how he cares. It's all about his love. You can see it from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Today we're going to go to the book of Luke, chapter 15. And while in this story he does not come out and say the word love, you're going to see a powerful picture of God's love here this morning. Um, Luke 15, 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Um, first of all, I want to just make a slight mention here. The tax collectors and sinners all drawing near to him. Jesus attracted people who were sinners. Uh, the people that you think were least interested always wanted to come and hear from Jesus. Uh, he had no problem getting a crowd. People came to him, and, and, and the crowd was the, the people that needed him. Um, Jesus attracted sinners, and the Pharisees repelled sinners. And, uh, and how important is that? Look at verse 2 here. It says, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Uh, so, so you had two groups here. Here was the group of the, the tax collectors. And tax collectors were known for people that were thieving. Uh, they, they were kind of like the bottom of the chain, if you will. So um, obviously that's not in our culture today, but in the culture of that day, in the Jewish culture that day, these people were the, they, that was down and outers. Uh, They were thieves. And then you said also there was the sinners, the people who had issues, people who had problems, people that uh, that had some sin problems in their life. And uh, and a lot of them are just walking nowhere near God. And this was the people that Jesus attracted. He was an attraction to people that that were like that. He was attracted to people whose life was a mess. And I often look at myself and say, am I making myself available that people whose life is a mess is attracted to me? I mean, I, I want them, I want people in my neighborhood, I want people in my community to know God. And listen, God's not afraid of your mess. Remember that. God's not afraid of your mess. He wants you to bring your mess to Him. Uh, your, your pain, your habits, your hurts, your hang-ups. He wants you to bring that all to Him, and He'll deal with it. But as we see here, how did the Pharisees respond? The Pharisees were like uh, grumbling and complaining. Uh, they're going on about this man receives sinners. Uh, th- this man is, is no good. Uh, wh- how can he be the Messiah? How could he be who he says he is and associate with those people? Jesus associated with those people. And verse 3, so he told them this parable. What happened was there's two different groups. You had the, the people that were needy, that had a, uh, life was a mess. Then you had the people that thought they had it all together. They were the rule-keeping Pharisees, weren't they? They had it all together, and they said, I've got this, I've got it done. And, and, and they knew everything about the law, and they knew how to obey the law, and they, 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 were, they thought they were pretty with it. 
And so Jesus, what he does here is he tells them a parable. He says, I'm going to give both of these groups something to see about God. Now, a parable is a, just an earthly story. It's, this is not history now. The history is that Jesus actually told this. Uh, the parable he's telling, he's, telling, he's going to tell a series of three stories here that, that are just earthly stories because you understand earthly things. We don't understand heavenly things. So God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to take an earthly thing and help you understand something about the character of God. I'm going to help you understand about heaven, about who God is. And so here he is. He's given this earthly story. And in the earthly story, he starts out uh, verse 3. So he told him this parable. He starts out in the next verse and he says, you know what? There's a, there's a shepherd. And a shepherd, you know, a good shepherd has a, a hundred sheep. And uh, if, he, if he only has 99, he can't find one. He goes out and he finds it. And so everybody's like, yeah, I understood, especially the men in that crowd. All the men were like, yeah, we understand what a, the hard work of a shepherd. Uh, uh, you would not leave a sheep go by itself, okay? And so he's trying to let them see, this is what God does. God comes after you. He's seeking you. And then he says, he gives a story that the, that the women will understand. He relates more to the women now. It's the, the parable of the lost coin. Because what a woman would do, she would have like a wedding ring. She would have this, this uh, necklace around her with, with uh, coins on them valuable coins and so you can look at that like the, like a wedding ring it is the same equivalent and if she lost a coin off of that would she not tear the whole house apart till she found it and all the women are going yeah i understand and and the women here today you can understand that if you lose a wedding ring you're going to turn the house up and down till you find it you know how many times do you hear somebody at the beach they lost their wedding ring in the sand and they lost their mind until they found their ring okay uh, that's just what what you do and so the, everybody's going, yeah, I understand, I understand. But now Jesus takes it a step further and he says, I'm going to give them something. I'm going to cut through that everybody's going to catch. And they're going to learn something about who I am, about how I love. And so for, uh, Luke 15, 11. And so he said, there was a man who had two sons. Uh, you, you, you're familiar with this as the prodigal son, but really it's about more than the prodigal son. The man had two sons. There's a father, and there's two sons. Verse 12, and, uh, and, the younger, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Uh, what, what he does here is he says, he's basically going to the father and saying, Father, I know I'm supposed to get this inheritance. And after you die, I get, I get to have your inheritance. So what he says to him, I wish you were dead. That's really the, 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 that's really the impact of the, of, the, of the boldness of what he's coming. He's saying, I wish you were dead because I want this now. I want this now. And so what happens is he's really showing here, he's making a, he's saying, Dad, what you are, I don't want anything to do with it. I want to be my own man. I want to go. And listen, as men, don't we struggle with that? I mean, there comes a time in every man's life when you say, all right, it's time for me to become the man of my house, Right? But that's a little bit, this is a little bit deeper what he's doing. He's stepping away. And he says, I want my inheritance now. I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance now. And he divided his property between them. He divided the property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Um, so he goes out and he squanders everything that he has. Uh, so think about that. If that were in today's world, what would he be doing? He'd be going out and uh, he'd be spending it on, on you know, get, get a condo, uh, go get a yacht, 
Uh, he's just blowing his money. And, you know, with, with this money, his dad's very rich, and with this money comes a lot of friends, doesn't it? You ever notice that? Uh, with the money comes friends. And then as the, as the money left, so did his friends leave. And so he goes through this thing. He goes through reckless living. And when he spent everything, verse 14, when he spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. You know what's happening here? Um, Jesus, is, <laughs> Jesus understood the culture. He understood the Jews. And, and I've never, this really hit me really hard this week. I'm like, wait a minute. What is he doing? I, you know, you're thinking, what is really going on here? So we think of the pigs. Yeah, it's no fun. And, you know, from our culture, we say, yeah, pigs, it's ugly, it's nasty, it's dirty. But you know what? To a Jew, they didn't get near pig. A Jew wasn't allowed to eat ham. There was no pork. Do you ever wonder, like, on Easter, why we have ham on Easter? Yeah? Jesus was the king of the Jews, and he rose from the dead, and we celebrate with him. I just, I just, I'm not, I'm not saying a problem with it. I'm just like, did you ever wonder why we do that, you know? But the Jews, they would not eat ham. They would not eat ham. They would not raise pigs. They would not get near that. The pig farmer was the lowest, the lowest. I mean, there was the tax collector, then there was the pig farmer. These people were way away from God, okay, because of their, what God had laid out in the Old Testament, that they were not to, they were not to eat of the pork. And, and so this was like a, a big, big taboo. So you know what happens here? The, the son, this Younger son is walking away from not only his dad, but from his God. He's saying, Dad, everything that you taught me, I'm doing my own thing. Dad, everything that you said, you taught me this, this, and this about God. And I'm going out and I'm doing everything opposite. As a matter of fact, Dad, I'm at the bottom now. My money's all gone. I've blown everything that you have given me in record time and i'm still going to go out and go a step further i am going to feed pigs i am i am not into you dad and i'm not into your god wow wow this is a big separation here he's not into his dad he's not into his god and now he's at the bottom and he's feeding the pigs and as he's at the bottom even while he's feeding the pigs He's longing to be fed with the, with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, now aren't you thankful for those two-by-four moments in life? You know, there are times that we all go out, and, and I, I refer to those moments as, you know, it's like if somebody were to just hit me with a two-by-four, I would catch it, you know? Uh, and he had a two-by-four moment. Uh, boom, he's feeding the pigs. Boom, and he comes to his senses, and he says, wow, I wonder what would happen. How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish, but I perish here with hunger. He's asking himself. He's starting, it's starting to play in his head. I wonder if I go home. If I go home. I wonder, listen, my, my servants, I was just thinking about that. My servant, my dad's servants. I was his son. He had servants that, that brought us food. He had servants that took care of me. He had servants that helped me get to school. He had servants that did all the work that mom and dad couldn't do. Those servants, I wonder if my dad, I don't think my dad will take me back as a son. 
I wonder if my dad will take me back as a servant. I mean, after all, dad's got so many good things, and I've squandered, and I blew everything that he gave me, but I know that the servants live out in this part of our land, and, and, and I wonder, because they at least have bread. They have bread. They're taking care, and I'll go back, and I could be a servant to my dad. And he wasn't even thinking that his dad would take him. He's like, I wonder, I wonder. Verse 18, he says, I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Here's what's happening. He's starting to rehearse in his mind the speech that he's going to go through. He's going over the speech and he's thinking, okay, here's what, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, how am I going to deal with my dad? How am I going to deal with my dad? My dad is so hard to deal with. My dad should not love me. My dad will never accept me. But he goes now and he's starting to think, wonder what my dad, how am I going to talk to him? Dad's going to say this. Whenever I come up and I, and, I, and I tell him, Dad, I'm home, and he's going to look at me and he's going to read me the right act. What am I going to do? Look what he says there. He says, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Treat me. So he, he's, he's, he's going over this in his mind. Verse 20, so he arose and he comes home to his father. And, but while he was a long way off, while he was a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. Now, I've looked at that, I've looked at that verse in multiple, multiple different renderings. Uh, some say had compassion. Some say felt compassion. And I, wanted, I, wanted to, I want you to think about this. You can't have compassion without feeling. I can have pity on somebody, but to have compassion, there, there's this, there's, it, it, it evokes something inside of you felt compassion. So what he says here is that the father felt compassion on the son. Catch the picture. Here's the picture. The father is out here. He's, he's on his porch. And on the very end, I mean, it says a long way off. He's looking. He's like, is, that, is that my son? Oh, my. And he starts going through this. And he starts going through. It, my son looks terrible. He's been out with the pigs. And the father's heart is broken for the son. And in the meantime, the son is coming back, and the son is thinking, Dad will never have me. Dad, I've screwed up. And and listen, according to the law, if you go over into the, in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18, you would find that according to the law, when a son did this, when a son made a disgrace of their family, when a son was the prodigal like that, They had rights to stone him. The community could take stones and just kill him. And so think of the the risk on the son coming back. He's saying, Dad will never take me. Maybe I can just be um, just part of of the the workforce and and at least have bread, and I'll at least be able to survive again. And and he's walking back, but he knows. He's counting in his head, Dad will not take me. You know what? Here's what happens. Sometimes... Sometimes we have a misconception of what God is thinking about us. Sometimes we have that. Sometimes we we think that God is thinking differently about us than he really is. And listen, God, the picture here, the Father is a picture of God, and God comes running. The Father comes running to the Son. So Jesus says, listen, as as this kid's coming home, I've always saw the Father run, but I've never understood really what's going on in the mind of this kid. This guy, he's now a you know, young adult. He's a young man. He's coming back to his dad. And listen, you men out there, you know, what the, you know those hard discussions when you deal with your dad. 
They don't get easier as you get older, do they? You know, sometimes you thought that would be, when you're 18, that was done. As you get older, those discussions are harder when you disagree with dad. And so they're coming back. He's coming back, and he has all this, and he's thinking, according to that culture, there is no way the father would have taken him. There is just no way. And he could have been stoned. And what happens? The father looks. He looks across, and he says, is that my son? My boy, and, and both of them are having flashbacks. The son is having a flashback. He's remembering, oh, man, I remember that tree over there. We used to climb over there when we were kids, and, oh, yeah, I, rem- I remember this, and I remember that. And he's walking back, and he's rehearsing all these memories, and, and he starts to bring back his childhood as he's walking back. But, but I just want it back so good. I would love, I would, I would love to go back there. I wish I would have never gone out. And, and because I've gone all out, my dad will never love me the same again is what he's thinking as he comes back. But the father sees him and feels compassion. And I want to ask you this morning, have you ever thought about God having compassion on your life? Have you ever thought about God invoking impa- uh, having compassion? Have you ever thought about him feeling compassion for you? For when you're out and you're away from God, uh, when, you, when you've made all your mistakes, when you're, when you're on that journey and you, you've been so far, you've been feeding the pigs. You're at the bottom. Life is hurting. Have you ever thought about God having compassion on you? Typically, we don't. We typically come back and say, well, God would never accept me. God won't love me. And we go through that. Why? Because we don't have an understanding of who God really is. You look in the Bible. The Bible is real clear. God is love. 1 John chapter 4, God is love. The very essence of who he is is love. This series on love, we've been talking about his unconditional love. So here's, here's this man, this young man. He's coming home. The father, he not only has compassion, not only does he feel compassion, he runs to him, and the father could be at risk of getting in the crossfire of the stoning, and he runs, and he embraces him, and he kisses him. So catch the picture here. Here's the son. He's thinking about it. He's got tears streaming down his face as he's walking back. Dad's not going to take me. I just, I just, I'm at the bottom. I don't want to die. I just want to live. And the dad's thinking, man, my son, my son, my son's come home. So he comes out and he runs to him. And the first thing it tells us that the dad, before any words are spoken, the dad runs to him, embraces him, throws a hug around him, and kisses him. And so the, so the young man uh, he's, he's responding to his dad. He, you know, just imagine this embracement of, of a father and son that have reunited, and he's hugging him, and he's holding him, and, and this powerful story of love, and, and the boy's saying, Dad, and, he got, and he's trying to talk, and the next thing that he says, he says, and he arose, he came to his father, but while he was a still long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, ran and embraced him. In verse 21, and the son says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. In the loving arms, in the loving arms of the master, in the loving arms of the father, this boy is saying, Dad, I'm sorry. I've been away so long. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. I just want to come home. And his tears are running down his face, and the tears are running down the father's face because he felt compassion. He was moved from on the inside to care and love for his kid. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put on a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead. He is alive again. He was lost and now he's found 
And so what happens? This big celebration takes place. And so once again, the, the, the Pharisees understood the lost coin. They understood the lost sheep. And now they see the lost son. And the Pharisees are standing there saying, I'm not so sure that father would really take them back. But God, Jesus here is giving them a little touch. Uh, the, the, the publicans, the tax collectors, they understood. They're like, yeah, we, we can relate to this guy over here. And so, so as, they're, as they're going through this, they're, uh, the, the, this, this, this embrace happens. And this big party happens. And as the party happens, it, it's, it's festive. And imagine how good that son felt. That son is like, wow, all those servants. I mean, they go get, they get the biggest calf, the fatted calf. You know, that means big steak dinner, okay? Or whatever it was, okay? Big dinner. That'd be like me calling Sheplex and saying, my kid, come home. I want the biggest piece of meat you got. And I want it to be good. I want, it, I want all your special sauces on it, George. And we make this big party for my, because my kid, come home. Well, the older son had been home the whole time, wasn't he? It's not just about the one son. There's another son. And the other son, he'd been, he'd been home the whole time. And what's he been doing? He's been doing everything Daddy said. Daddy said, go, go do this. He did it. Dad said, go do that. He did it. And so he has all these, all these things. And what he did, he was keeping all the rules. He was following all the rules of home. And, and he comes before his dad. He, he gets wind of it. The other, uh, the servant, he hears the noise, and the servants say, well, what are you doing? And he says, uh, they're having a party. You know, your brother come home. What? My brother come home? My brother come home, and my dad is going to have a party for him? He wouldn't even have a party for me. I've been, I've been wanting to save, save some of these animals over here for a party. He won't let me have a party. He's going to have a party because what? what? Why did that happen? Why would he do that? Verse 25, he was angry and refused to go in. He wouldn't go into the... Uh, verse 28, I'm sorry. He was angry and refused to go in. His, fa- his father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I could even celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes home, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. Doesn't make sense. The boy who's been home and doing everything the right way, he says, what do you mean? To the father, father, what do you mean? I, I've been here. I've been going to church every Sunday. I've taught Sunday school class. I give. I help poor people. When, when they need extra help, they call me. I'm on the top ten list of the most wanted workers in the church. By the way, we'd like to make it top 100, folks. Right? I'm on the top ten. And you have a party? Does that guy come home? He's out with, he squandered everything with prostitutes and you're going to have a party for him? You see, both of the sons had a misunderstanding. They didn't understand the father's love because look how the father responds to him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. He doesn't say, son, you have obeyed me. 
You've always done what's right. He says, son, you're with me. My son that's been gone, he is now with me. Now, you, you catch that? See, see what it is? It's not about what I can do. I can't earn God's love. And I can't unearn God's love. Whoa. See, I've always understood God's love up here. But to put it down here is really hard, isn't it? And I think most of us have lived a lot of our life feeling like that we're just not good enough for God. And you know what? We're all in this situation. Whether you're on the top 10 list of the best workers in the church or you're on the top 10 list of those that are out causing trouble and having a mess, guess what? God's love is the same. So you went out and you left church last week and you made some mistakes. That says, I love you. Unconditional. Uh, so you went out and you, you read your Bible every day this week. God says, I love you unconditionally. And I don't love you more because you read your Bible all week. And I don't love you less because you went out and you live wild. I love you. And th- this picture of God coming, uh, of the Father running, is a picture of what God has done for us. Um, he says, you were always with me. And all that is mine is yours. And how fitting it is. How fitting it is that we celebrate that your brother is now with the Father. So this morning, there's three stories in there. Number one, there's the story of the son, the prodigal son. That's what you typically have known this story as. You've read it, you've heard it all your life, the prodigal son, and you know about the son that has run away, right? Well, there's also now, not only the prodigal son, there's the rule keeper son. This is the guy, he was the, he was the good boy. I call him the, the, the good son. So you have the, first of all was the bad son, the prodigal son, then there's the rule keeper son. He was the good one. He stayed home and he, he thought that God... Loved him more because of what he did. And the prodigal son thought that God loved him less because of what he did. But there's one other story, and that's the story of the father. And it's God's story. And when you think of God's story, when you think of the father and all of his love and how he he loves unconditionally, listen, you, you may be able to identify with either the prodigal or the rule keeper. You may be able to identify and say, you know what, I've just tried to follow God. I've tried to do everything right. I, listen, we encourage that. Absolutely, because if you go and do the route of the prodigal, guess what? The prodigal missed a lot of life. The prodigal really suffered a lot of consequences. But at the end of the day, I cannot get God to love me. God doesn't bless me more because I've gone to church. I've read my Bible. I I, I. And on the flip side, God doesn't love you less if you made a mistake, if I, if I, if I. If it's my negative action or my positive action, God loves us both the same. So what I want to encourage you to do this morning is get into God's story. Get into him. Understand who he is. Accept his love this morning. If you would just open up your heart and accept his love this morning. God celebrates this. God celebrates restored relationships. If you go through that whole chapter, the lost sheep that was found, there was joy. The lost coin that was found, there was joy. And over the lost son, there was joy. So this morning, I want to encourage you. 
Will you come to Christ first of all? Will you, will you come because he's running to you? He sees you in the distance and he's running to you. He says, come. My son, I want you to come. Just come. And he keeps running. He, he's running to you. All the risk. Guess what? When Jesus ran towards us, he took the price. It was the cross. He died on the cross. The, the threat of the stoning, yes. Guess what? That was us. We're the son. We should be stoned. We should, be, we should suffer death from God. But Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He came back to life again. And so jump in to his story because God celebrates restored relationships. He really does. And then lastly this morning, I want to encourage you to to remind you of this, that there's a party in heaven over you. When you came to Christ, there's a party in heaven over you. Do you understand this? That there is a party that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to Christ. All of heaven. So what does that make you? That makes you the focus of God's celebration. And you are the apple of God's eye. He loves you. He cares about you. And when you, when you can understand that, you don't often think of that, that there was a celebration because I followed Christ. Not because I did, I did, I did but because I am following Christ, because Christ came to me, because the Father ran to me. There's a celebration in heaven. And I want to encourage you to that this morning. It's not about what you've done, good or bad. It's about how much he loves you. And I think we have such a hard time comprehending this because there's nothing in our world that loves us like that. Uh, we try, we've, we've spent several weeks on love. We've tried to give you some nuggets that you can put into your marriage. You can put into your dating relationships. You can put into parenting. But at the end of the day, this is where it starts. If we can start there with God, why would God love Boaz and Ruth and put them in his family lineage? Why would, why would we see their name in Matthew chapter 1? Why? Because God redeems your past. God loves you. He's not afraid of your mess. And so I want to encourage you today, Bring your mess to God and let him transform your life because the love of God is what transforms my life. Really. I mean, when you, you know, do you ever notice when you're in love, you do strange things? You know, when I first started dating my wife, man, I was in love. Still am. But, you know, when, you're, when, you, first, when you first start that relationship, it's like, oh, man, you know, she's dueling my name. I mean, we're, we're in our 20s and she's dueling my name on her papers, you know. Uh, you know, she still doodles my name but with other lists underneath of them now, you know? Um, you know, it, it's, like, it's like, wow, you know, so, so you, it, it, listen, that's what happens. When, you, when somebody loves you, you're motivated and you're transformed. And so this morning, you say, I got a mess and I want to clean up the mess of my life. It starts with the love of God. Let God's love transform you. He'll clean up your mess. He's not afraid. Today, I want to close our service by celebrating the Lord's table with communion. And I'm going to ask the men that are here to serve if you'll go back and get the elements. And They're going to come around, first of all, with the bread. And as they come with the bread, I, I want to ask you this morning to just hold that bread and, uh, and, and pray over that. So I'm going to, as they, gentlemen, you may serve the congregation. And as they start to serve the congregation, I'm going to put up a verse here. This is uh, uh, Romans 5.8. Um, so if we could put that up, I'm going to ask everyone if uh, when it comes up if you would read that with me let's read that together but god demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners 
Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. I want you to think about that this morning. While we were still sinners. Christ didn't say, come and change everything about who you are. He said, come to me and I'll change you. He said, come unto me. I love you. He ran to you. So as you get that bread this morning, this bread represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. Um, when Jesus was here, he, he, was a, he was with his disciples and he tore this piece of bread off and, and, and he said, he gave it to his disciples. He said, do this in remembrance of me. My body. This represents my body, which is broken for you. God demonstrates. He didn't just say, I love you. He demonstrated, I love you. And it was necessary, for he is the kinsman redeemer. He's the only one that could redeem you. Just like Boaz was the next of kin, God, Jesus, became flesh, made his dwelling among us, and he was the only one. He lived the perfect life. The sac he sacrificed on the cross he who knew no sin took on the sin of mankind so that you may have eternal life. Let's pray over the, over the elements this morning. Our Father and our God, I come before you, Lord, and I thank you that you gave to us this, this awesome opportunity to, uh, to remember your sacrifice for us, to remember your love. God, I am so thankful for your love. Um, your love has transformed my life. It's transforming lives all over this church. And, and you're doing something so powerful that we can't even comprehend. We can't even comprehend how you can love us when we're bad and you, can't, and you, and you don't love us more when we're good. You love us. You love us unconditionally. And thank you for that on the cross. And Lord, I pray for those in this room that, that may not have a relationship with you. I pray, God, that this would be the beginning that they would cry out to you today, Lord, and say, God, I need you. I invite you into my life. Thank you for your love. Thank you for this, this bread this morning and the juice that we're about to drink shortly. In your name we pray. Amen. And then Jesus also took the cup. And gentlemen, you can serve the congregation at this time. And what we're going to do differently this morning is uh, I've asked Rhonda to sing a song to close us. And as the juice comes around, I'd like for you just to hold that juice and, and to look at it, to, to quietly pray over it yourself. And sometime throughout the course of the song, you drink the juice. Drink the, the, uh, the, the juice that represents the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you this morning. The great I am, immovable rock, omnipotent, powerful, awesome Lord, victorious warrior, 
commanding King of kings, mighty conqueror, and the only time, the only time I ever saw him run, was when he ran to me, he took me in his arms, held my head to his chest, said my son's come home again, lifted my face, wiped the tears from my eyes, with forgiveness in his voice, he said, son, do you know I still love you? He caught me by surprise, when God ran. The day I left home, Then, if things could ever be the same, but one night I remembered his love for me, and down that dusty road ahead, I could see it was the only time, the only time I ever saw him run. Was when he ran to me He took me in his arms Held my head to his chest Said my son's come home again Lifted my face Wiped the tears from my eyes With forgiveness in his voice He said, son, do you know I still love you? He caught me by surprise brought me to my knees when God ran. I saw him run to me. 
Lord, we come before you and we thank you for your great sacrifice this morning and how that you've given, given your love for us. You demonstrated, you gave everything, Lord, that we might have eternal life. Thank you that no matter how far away from God that we've been or how close we thought we were, you love us. And God, I pray that you'll transform us, Lord. We know that our good works are as filthy rags, the Bible says. And Lord, we know that, that, that our sin deserves punishment from you. So God, we thank you that you love us consistently and you've given us that way in the cross of Christ. Lord, be with us as we march toward Easter with the Palm Sunday next week and, and Easter to follow, Lord. I just pray that this will be an exciting and powerful time in our church as we focus in on the love of Christ, the God of the universe who stepped out of eternity into time and paid for my sin. God, you're awesome and we love you. In your name we pray, amen. Would you please uh, greet those around you? God bless you. You are dismissed. One, two, three.